0: Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 55. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at v Journeyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? John, I am doing
1: great. Extremely caffeinated as usual. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral relevant across disciplines and remain timeless if you're enjoying our content please drop us a positive review on apple podcasts or wherever you subscribe and if you want to get in touch with us tweet or dm at nerd journey ultimately we're just two nerds on a journey a journey
0: to virtual enlightenment so let's take a trip Great, Nick. We're we're making choices as usual, per usage, as one of my coworkers used to say. Yeah, we definitely are. And uh, we are not both VMware pre-sales engineers, <laughs> as we're sitting here today recording. Uh, I just passed my last day at VMware, so I am unemployed. But uh, yeah. never fear, I I think I have another gig lined up. So uh, don't don't cry for me, Argentina.
1: (laughs) That's good. We won't feel too bad for you. Aren't you, aren't you just like moving yourself to the cloud or something like that?
0: I, I'm looking for uh, new synergies and partnership Uh, and other buzzwords. Right. (laughs) You have to do what you have to do. Right. So uh, today's topic is part three of preparing for unexpected career opportunities. Uh, Part one, we talked about, you know, the different types of opportunities that could be out there, um, why you need to be ready, and what you should be doing to get ready. So if you're looking for that kind of content, go back and listen to part one. Part two, we kind of talked about the different ways that those things present. Um, We talked about initial contact from, you know, unsolicited sources. We talked about, you know if you uh just voluntarily decide that things have uh you know turned around at your current position you need to look elsewhere and then we talked about the involuntary case where you are just terminated and you are out there all of a sudden looking so um those that's kind of where we left off right when we're kind of sitting in a position where we are either being contacted by recruiters and we've made a decision to respond to an unsolicited uh, um, proposal, or we are deciding to make that initial contact, maybe go back and call uh, recruiters that reached out to us before and and we uh, um, let down easily, or if we are out there all of a sudden needing to find a new position. that I think that's where we left off, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, we talked about possible ways you could respond and say, no, thank you. But this is, I actually want to have a conversation with someone. It interests me enough.
0: Right, right. Okay. So, let's get into that. How should we kick that off?
1: So, if we think about, you know, the unsolicited and voluntary cases, John... You should think about what would it take to get you to make a change or think outside your current role what are some ideas you might have in that
0: spectrum yeah um that's a really good point and i think that i talked about um, last time a recruiter reached out to me and said um, or maybe i didn't talk about it don't remember anymore um you know i had a recruiter reach out to me and say hey I, i noticed that you're not really thinking about um looking for a new position but but what would it take for you to actually make a move? Do you have any ideas about that? And I thought that that was, you know, a very powerful tactic to use because it's very difficult for someone to say that without you actually thinking about that. But I mean, you know, outside of that specific situation, you should maybe know the answer to that anyway. So you should maybe revisit that issue every month or every few months, every quarter, maybe. What, is it that I really like about the job that I'm in? What are the things that I feel like I'm lacking? And what would be the kind of new dream scenario that would, you know, would need to present itself? Um, You know, significant improvements in, you know, areas A, B, and C, in order for me to think about about considering a, a new position. You know, some of these things are, I would say, you know, personal values, like, um, Maybe you have a set of value statements about, you know, your ethics that you know the the current position isn't currently meeting, or maybe there are things like compensation that you're not that happy with. Maybe there's things like uh, travel um, that you are doing too much of or not enough of. Um perhaps uh, there you're just in an industry. I think we talked about that 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 you're not happy with, and you'd like to make a change in industry. Maybe there's you know just a different role out there that you've been finding in, uh, interesting that you could uh, you know go for and uh, and learn more about and, and learn about through that interview process. So you know a bunch of different things out there. I mean, maybe even you know, a series of companies, you know, there's a, a specific company right and this goes back to the you know
1: you said dream scenario but we sh- we know from episode 19 that we should dream in bands hmm. right that's something you actually coined the phrase for so i'm throwing it back in your face but you know make sure that you've thought about hey is this within the band of possibility or a band of of things that i want to you know learn more about just like you said yeah uh, Speaking of that, John, you know, if I'm set on having this conversation with someone that I've reached out to or has reached out to me kind of in an unexpected scenario, what
0: questions do I need to ask in this first conversation, you think? Yeah, um, that's a really good point. I think that we've talked a little bit before about how you should be in initial screening calls, um, but let's review it a little bit. I think like a really important thing is to find out exactly what their hiring process looks like. So they've reached out to you, they've talked about a position um, or a spectrum of possibilities of positions that that you find interesting. Um, So, you know, you're reaching out to them, they're reaching out to you, let's figure out exactly what that hiring process looks like. Um, Typically, there's going to be a screening call where they, you know, kind of go over your resume with you and say, you know, tell me about this position, tell me about this position. And if you're prepared, for that, then you need to make uh, the positions that you've done relevant to the position or positions that you're interviewing for, right? So you need to do some work there before you have that initial screening call. Um, And you need to make sure that your LinkedIn profile reflects that and, uh, and maybe you make some tweaks there to show that hey, you know, this job that I've done, you know, had some parts to it that are extremely relevant and, Mm -hmm. and uh, congruent with this uh, position that you're considering me for. So that's, that's part one, I would say, um, you know, you should probably in that process, dive into and flesh out exactly what the position is, what um, things that they're looking for in a, in an ideal candidate, right? So, you know, Again, somebody asked me like, well, what three things would it take for you to move? And, you know, you could say something like that to the recruiter. Well, what three things do you think the hiring manager or your organization is looking for in an ideal candidate? You know, um, you're know, you you're out there hunting for somebody. What is it that you're hunting for? Um, there's got to be a list of, of requirements or skills or backgrounds um, that that you find ideal and that, you know, I want to know about before you know we get too deep into this so that I can either match what I'm doing to that ideal you know profile or um, tell you why you know some of the things that I've done um, might be a closer match to that ideal profile than it than appears to be on the surface so that's kind of what I'm thinking there and then I think finally maybe the timeline right so they're out there looking for people what is the timeline that that they're thinking of, like, are they desperate to fill this position? Are you know, is this you know, they're calling you, you know, because it's the last resort. Um, um, if you're if you're initially reaching out to them, where are they in that process? Have they already you know screened 50 other people um, and presented some to the hiring manager? Are are you late or early in the process? And if you're late, then how late are you? If you're early, how early are you? You know, are you going to be one of the first? Uh, people and they have a, you know, four-week process of filtering people and presenting them to the hiring manager? If so, then you kind of need to know that, you know, to set your expectations. Um, One of the things that I would say is, you know, unfortunately, recruiters might not be that honest with you about that, right? Um, They tend to have this attitude of, um, I want to cast the widest net possible, have as many uh, potential candidates, you know, ready to present as possible, and keep those people available as fallback options. So they might say, "Hey, you know, we're, you know, this this meeting with the hiring manager got delayed, so I haven't been able to present to you yet, or or, or whatever." When really what what has happened is that you're in the the second group of three or the third group of three, and the hiring manager needs to rule, you know, three or four people out before you're even you know seen by him or her. So just set your expectations correctly and uh, take what they say with a grain of salt, right? About timelines. And I'm not, you know, casting aspersions on, you know, any specific recruiters. I'm just saying, this is what I've experienced and, and what has, uh, you know, what I've observed happen in the past. So just something to keep in mind.
1: Well, hopefully, you know, no matter what, even if you do have to wait a little bit, hopefully the recruiter is communicating well and in a timely manner of what you can expect next. You know, if they're not doing a good job of that, then you may not necessarily want to work with this person in the future ever.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, this recruiter is, you know, at the current time in this process, the only representative of the, of the company or the organization that you're talking to. And that, that might not be a fair representation of that organization. It's the only one that you have. And, you know, I don't know what else to, to say about that, right? Like you, you can't, it's difficult to hold an entire organization uh, responsible for the behavior of one person. So, I mean, your goal is to get past this gatekeeper to the hiring manager and have that discussion with the hiring manager or whatever the next steps are. Right? So. Um, the the person that I would say that you need to start holding responsible for the you know how you're going to be treated in the organization is when you do have that discussion with a hiring manager. So if they say that they're going to call you back in 48 hours and they don't, and then you reach out to them and then you don't hear back for an additional 48 hours, and then you reach out again and then they call you back 24 hours after that, you have no reason to believe that that's not how they would treat you if you get hired and you're on that person's team. So that's where you start holding, you know, that person responsible because they're acting the way that they would act with an employee, you know, you're a potential employee. So either they don't care about, you know, how they're acting or, you know, they just are bad at communication and that's what you're going to have to face, but that's not where we are in the process. Right. We're not, right. We're not there uh, describing that yet.
1: I kind of, You can tell me if you think this is baloney, but I kind of equate this part of the process as like, you know, the recruiter. It's almost like they're a real estate agent trying to get you to move into a new house that they're supposed to be selling for someone else. And they can tell you about it and they want to set you up with a showing so you can go and look around the house and see for yourself. Maybe you can even look at pictures on the website, but you haven't stepped in it to really imagine yourself being there, living there, that kind of thing. But they're playing the psychological trick to, well, if you
0: were to move houses, what would you want it to be like? And that's that's just what came to my mind. Yeah, I, I think you have to keep in mind you know, what the recruiter's job is, right? The recruiter's job is to make a placement. Right, so you're part of a portfolio of people that they're going to be presenting to somebody else, whoever is making the next decision, and their job is to get as many qualified candidates into that funnel for the next step of screening. Right, so um, you have to think of yourself that way, and you have to be very, very realistic about that, and say this person, you know, whatever it is that they're saying to me, um, they are, you know, a salesperson. And I represent a product to them, right? I'm not somebody that they're representing to the company. I am the product that they, they are trying to sell to the company, you know. And I'm in a, a spectrum of possibilities um, of of potential product that 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 is being sold to the company, right? They're only going to hire one of us, or you know, maybe they're looking to hire two or three people even. But um, the idea that um, you are being represented you know, by this person is, is not true, right? Right. You're not paying them, so you're not being represented by them.
1: <laughs> okay. So you, let's say you had the conversation with the recruiter and it sounds interesting. They're going to put you forward in the process. Why do I keep going if I'm still not really looking for a new job?
0: Okay, yeah. So that's a, a really good point. Um I think I probably when I was working at VMware took you know two or three interviews over the years, you know, for various reasons, right? One was to just keep in practice with interviewing, right? In my job, um, I was not, you know, routinely going out and acquiring new customers. So I wasn't selling myself and, and the organization that I represented you know, and over and over to a new customer to uh, try to get them to buy VMware product for the very first time. So one of the things that I wanted to keep my hand in was um, representing myself and selling myself um, to, you know, a prospective buyer, like the prospective buyer just happening to be purchasing or representing talent and me as an employee and not, VMware as a product. So I, I kind of looked at it as keeping my hand in, in in that way, because it's not something that I do as a regular part of my job. Um, I also think that it's just important to practice interviewing, right? Um, you're going to be asked questions over and over again, and you have to have answers for these questions. Like there's not that many of them. And if you see them, you know, before that that critical interview for that job that you just absolutely desperately want you know you you aren't going to see the patterns of those questions tell me about a time where you had a conflict with a customer and you needed to resolve it that that's a question that comes up all the time tell me about a time that you had a conflict with a coworker that's not a question john <laughs> well but it's a it's a situational um discussion that they're going to ask you to answer right tell me about a time dot 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 you know and and inevitably it's not ten- tell me about a time where you were extremely triumphant and you had to just uh you know hold down your ego and and not lord how amazing you were over everybody else it's always tell me about a time when there was a conflict or you had to break a tie or you know somebody somebody's idea that you disagreed with was the way that you had to go forward you know, tell me about how you handle that situation. Um, You know, th- those are the kinds of questions, behavioral questions um, that you're going to have to answer. And you need to have specific situations that you can cite, you know, about your behavior and and ha- describe how it is that you as an individual act in those situations. And they should be real ones, right? They shouldn't be, you know, too perfect, right? It's like, it was really difficult for me to, to not, you know, keep on saying, I told you so, and hey, I think we're doing the wrong thing. I had to pitch in and and be a good teammate, you know, because the decision was made, even if I didn't agree with the situation or the decision, you know, it's like that kind of thing. And that has to be real, right? Otherwise you're going to get the job based on like that behavior. And if that's not actually a behavior that you can exhibit, then you're gonna be miserable, right? So you have to be, you know, have good answers that are are true does that make sense yeah, absolutely so it's that practice yeah so i i think i talked about this last time but um another situation was one where um i just didn't understand why they they were calling me right so i think uh i think we talked about this it was it was situations where you know they were looking for um, managers or directors you know leaders of people who had experience being managers before and everything on my linkedin had me as an individual contributor so i was just trying to understand why are you why were they calling me you know it was in a it was in a related enough field um i wasn't really interested in what they were talking about it i didn't really understand the business, um, they they didn't say the name of the business and they were speaking in very general terms about what they were doing, but it was pre-sales technical or customer success or technical marketing, something along those lines that, you know, I was like, well, maybe I can do that. Maybe that would be interesting, but I don't know why you're calling me to be a director with like four managers underneath me, each of whom was gonna have six individual contributors. I don't have any experience doing that, but maybe you see something on my resume that's either, um, misinforming you and i need to fix or there's something on my resume that that does point to me being like you know yeah maybe i should be a director (laughs) maybe i should skip over the the position of actually like managing people and just start managing managers right away but i needed to understand and uh you know so so that was an interesting process to to evaluate
1: yeah well i mean like we said before, when you own your own school of mentoring, I think that gives you a lot of marketable qualifications, John. <laughs> you know, if you want to be part of that mentoring school and, and bask in the wide curricula that is available, send that tweet out to Adner Journey for pricing and packaging today. Whether you have an unexpected opportunity on the horizon or not, anytime's a good time to join the John White School of
0: Mentoring. <laughs> have, you, have you ever figured out that uh, pricing? Yeah. That's confidential, John. That's proprietary Oh, proprietary. Gonna talk about that. Okay. I have
1: to table that and talk about it off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but here's, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone down this trail and tried to leverage a potential offer from something like this to get a raise at your current company? Is that something people should do? I mean, I, I have a f-
0: philosophical position about that, which is that you should not do that. Um, I mean first of all if you do that you know you have to be prepared to take the offer right if you go down the road and get the offer and then go to your current manager and say hey I've had the, I have this offer can you match it and they say no now what do you do um do you say okay well I'm not going to leave anyway I'm going to just stay in my job they already know that you went gone through the entire process to get an official offer from somebody else they're starting to think okay You are on your way out. I need to start backfilling you. I need to start doing interviews. Like you've just made a major signal that you are thinking about leaving, right? So that's a really bad position to be in. Like uh, you have to be prepared to take that offer. So if you're gonna do that, again, I recommend that you don't um, because I mean, what if they say, yeah, we'll absolutely match it. Okay, now, you've still demonstrated that you're willing to go completely outside your organization go all the way to the point of getting an official offer from a different company so you're still positioning yourself as having looked outside and and been going elsewhere right so they still might start to think about okay you know i can pay this much for 6 months as i try to backfill this person so i just you know it's extremely risky i I don't think it's a good idea at all. Now, I, I will say this: I have read about some organizations where their culture is they're not going to give you a major raise unless you demonstrate um, that some other company is taking you know that great of an interest in you. So they'll say specifically, "Hey, if you need a raise above you know X percent, go get a go get an offer. Like demonstrate that you're." you're worthy of that or some you know other equivalent industry or equivalent you know competitor of ours thinks that you're worth that much money and then we'll we'll match it and i would say that that is an unhealthy organization to work for um, so maybe you want to think about not working there just because of that specific behavior that they're telling you to exhibit
1: Yeah. And this could, you know, it sounds like you're saying that this could potentially be a brand damaging exercise. You could be looked at in a totally different light just because you went and did that. And everything that you stood for as a loyal employee up to that point is now somewhat tainted.
0: I I think that's exactly what I'm saying. That's a very, very good summary. If you feel like you need more money, um, you know, and compensation is an issue for you, then you should be bringing that up in your one-on-ones. With your manager and saying, "Hey, you know, I feel like I'm worth more money than I'm making. You know, I've, I'm, I'm doing more than you know I'm being asked of, and is in my job description. I think I'm worth X percent higher. What is it that we need to do together for you to be able to justify that kind of raise for me, right? And then make that a month long exper- you know, um, collaboration between the two of you." so that your manager can go to bat for you and say hey you know nick it's embarrassing that i'm that i'm not giving nick more than this because this is what nick has done he's done all these measurable things and you know had this impact um you know we've been collaborating for nine months on on this and it's been part of his plan i i'm just gonna go say hey you know he needs this and the other people on my team who haven't been talking to me about it, you know, maybe it's just not important to them. So, I mean, that's I think the the way to go, not talk, you know, talk to a separate company, you know. Now, if you have a problem talking to your manager about that, or your manager doesn't want to have that conversation or won't have that conversation and won't work with you, then again, maybe that's a signal <laughs> that you're not in an organization that has a healthy culture, right? And right. That's the that's a signal that you do need to go outside the company to to get like a, just a better culture. Maybe it's just that specific manager, and you need to move to a different team. Um, that's you know unfortunate, especially if you're happy in almost every other way. But um, you know, I think that you should be able to honestly say, "Hey, I need uh, you know more compensation." It's it's a separate com- conversation than a job performance conversation, and then to say, hey, what is it that we need to do to make it an easy um, go to bat for uh, me You know, during uh, compensation review time? Sure. And one of the things to point out here, John,
1: is that this unexpected opportunity could potentially come from within the organization where you already work. So if you end up pursuing it, there is a chance that your current manager could find out what you're doing. Yeah, You know, we talked about before, do I tell the boss this happened? If it's within my same company, you know, at this point, if I'm potentially going to talk to the hiring manager, finding out about the process, should I tell my own boss that I'm doing it?
0: I would say that you certainly want to, if it's something that you're going to pursue seriously there's a point that you should be alerting your current manager and saying, "Hey, I've been having this conversation. I didn't realize how serious it was until just now when I realized, oh, they're actually interviewing me for this position. You know, I thought it was just kind of idle chit-chat, you know, or whatever. And 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 give them a heads up and you know express how serious you are about it, you know? You just don't want them to hear about it through the grapevine. Um, and you know, it's kind of a a judgment call on on where where in the process you need to be um you know if that's an area of concern for you like you know that you'll be retaliated against or you suspect or whatever and that's one of the reasons why you're exploring uh, opportunities outside of your current team then maybe you need to alert the the person that you're talking to you're saying hey i'm willing to talk to you about it but this just cannot get back to my manager until the the last possible minute you know per company policy that we need to talk to my manager. Um, and that's maybe one of the reasons why I'm exploring this. Um, and if they don't understand that, then it's probably not the right position. <laughs> to right, be discussing. there's a the red flag. Yeah, exactly. Right,
1: okay. Now what about this involuntary case, John, the involuntary separation? Uh, there are a lot of problems there. You know, if I'm currently unemployed and this unexpected opportunity has come my way, it seems like there's a lot of pressure for me to reach out and grab it because I need a job.
0: Yeah. That, that is the problem with an involuntary separation, uh, you know, otherwise known as being fired or downsized or, uh, rift reduction in force. Um, you know, if you're in that situation, um, you know, it's it's suboptimal, right? It's it's not the ideal situation to be in. The ideal situation to be in is happy with the job that you have and then looking for, you know, something else because you're idly curious and, or, you know, actually quite curious, um, but there's no pressure on you to look for or take something, you know. Um, all the pressure's on you um, if, especially if you have financial pressures, right? So that's why we talked about being financially ready all the time. Um, of of grabbing things and accepting less money and accepting positions that are less than ideal um so you know in this case where you've been uh, terminated and or you just unexpectedly find yourself in need of a of a different job i think it's very very important that you do all the preparation that we talked about in part one and unfortunately we don't have a time machine you know for you to do that um so you if you if you find yourself in this situation and you haven't been prepared then you just need to do things in order right you need to get that resume in order you know good enough not probably not perfect um and then you know figure out what kinds of positions you would be interested in doing and then reaching out to the people you know your network and then the types of companies that you would like to work for and apply for those positions whether or not they're listed right so um i think you know Again, the problem is in that specific situation, the pressure. So the amount of pressure you feel is uh directly uh proportional to the amount of preparation that you've done. Right. So the most pressure is, you know, you don't have a financial cushion and you haven't um kept your resume up to date and you don't have a fresh network and you know you're miserable. Um that's the worst situation to be in. Like I we don't have like a magic wand for you there, right? You just have to work things in order. Fine. You know, whatever you need to do to get that resume in shape, whatever you need to do to start building a network, whatever you need to do to figure out the kind of position you're looking for, um, you know, do those things, you know, and you have to, you have to know yourself, right? You have to know what it is that you'd be happy with. I, I spend quite a bit of time on, on Reddit and the career, um, career advice subreddit uh not so much answering questions because uh you know there's some people that are giving really good answers there you know before i even read the question but there's quite a few people there that say what should i be doing with my life you know i got this degree i made a horrible mistake i'm not interested in it and now i'm in a dead-end job what should i be doing like you know that's that's a very very difficult situation to to find yourself in and and uh, be able to be you know coached through. Um, so do everything that you can to know what it is that you're interested in, the types of things you'd be interested in doing, um, you know where your passion lies. You know, and, and in the technology industry, you know generally we're people that were were really interested in learning things, really interested in. Uh, um, you know, the different aspects of things, you know, conscious, you know, the the industry is constantly changing. So we're used to, you know, the the ground shifting underneath us, you know, no matter how uncomfortable that might actually be, but um, yeah, um, you know, find something that you're interested in. You know, that's, that's how I found my way to VMware, you know, of all the, the technologies that I represented, you know, in small business uh, IT, you know, VMware was the one that was most interesting and I set my sights to, to, you know get a job in that industry working for that company or for a partner and you know it took me a few years to do it but um you know once i knew what i was interested in i had a goal to work towards so um you know again we don't have magic wands but uh, that's what you should be doing
1: yeah and keep in mind we're not judging anyone who has to take a job because they need it to get money so that they can survive that that definitely does happen absolutely you know, and if it happens to you you can still execute on the things
0: we've talked about to, to get the next role. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like sometimes you just need a job that is, you know, not a great match and it's not what you're passionate about just because you need to you know pay the rent, you know, you know, kids got to eat, right? Like all those things. So, you know, do that thing and then figure out your passion and figure out how to get to your passion, you know, while you're doing the thing that, you know, you're doing just for money. That's right. totally fair, right? Just make sure that you're making progress on that, right? Have checkpoints, you know, do mm-hmm. things, uh, work your plan, you know, create a plan and work your plan.
1: Speaking of making progress, John, as you're making progress down this path and you have these conversations, you're gonna be in some interviews. Yeah. Do we have any interview tips that you can
0: think of that we might like to add here? Yeah, um, I think maybe let's refer to the the, Different episodes that we've done. Well, I, the one thing that I'll say that I've heard very recently that I don't think we've talked about at all, it was on our you know constant go to manager tools. Um, they did something I think last month about um, recruiters uh, calling you and saying, "Hey, you know, I know you just had this like next step interview. Call me and we can talk about it." And, and they advocated being ready to talk to the recruiter after each interview. Um, and having like one or two positive things about each conversation. Oh, yeah, they asked me about this. And I found that really interesting. You know, I said this and and it really sparked this, you know, uh, interesting chain of thought, you know, train of thought in my mind. It, what you're trying to do is demonstrate, you know, how interested in the job that you are to the recruiter at each step. Right. So if you are Interested and you want to pursue it, then make sure that the recruiter in that phone call, that follow up call, understands that you are interested, and talk and you know have like some real concrete things about why you're interested and in, and what piqued your interest in, in each, at each step. It's something that I hadn't really thought about before, but you know maybe is obvious in retrospect. They're they're calling really to follow up to gauge your interest after each step to to know how interested you are.
1: Now here's a question: if the recruiter is not doing that after each conversation you're having, but they're just telling you about the next one. Is that a bad sign you think, or is that just, they haven't been trained
0: to do this? I think that just means they haven't been trained to do it because I think it's, it's pretty standard um, especially when they're trying to figure out who's interested and not interested at each step to like maybe down select some people who like went through the process and went, eh, I didn't really like that. That person that I interviewed with, or they talked about the position, and it's not really what I'm interested in doing. So, um, you know, the the person who who calls for follow ups each time is looking for um, people to eliminate because they're not interested or they just didn't meet the standard at each step, right? So, it's a little bit easier to to go to somebody and say, you know, are you still interested? and take away all the people who aren't really that interested rather than going to someone saying, Hey, now, like, I need you to do an evaluation on every single person. And then, you know, come to find out that like half those people aren't interested in in moving forward with the process anyway. So it's a, you know, it's a way to cut down on the work for the evaluators. Um, Again, you know, all from manager tools, it's not something that I personally have experience with. Um, But, you know, I, I definitely have been in that situation where I've, done an interview and then the recruiter wants, you know, my feedback right away. It, I didn't realize it was a pattern until I listened to that episode. Um, and we'll put a link to the show notes there about that. So, um, you know, just a, yet another piece of information to know about that interview process, you know, as you move forward with it. Um, as far as our previous episodes that we've talked about interviewing, um, I mean, as early as episode two, Uh, screening and early hiring manager interviews I think we call that one episode number nine you know blowing an interview and how to dress for an interview Uh, before we go on episode nine one of the best
1: like I love the banter between John and me about dressing for an interview that's just great go back and listen to it if you haven't if you've listened to it already go listen to it again because it cracks me up every time
0: are are you trying to trigger me
1: (laughs) No, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, uh, no. Take your PTSD
0: and just park it and keep going. Okay. <laughs> I won't go on my rant about uh, um, culture filters. No, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, episode 11, uh, questions to ask in an interview. Um, number 15, on interview myths. Number 17, reasons to not pursue an opportunity. I think we revisited some of those uh, today. Um, number 27 with Ramsey Marjabah of uh, We the Sales Engineers. He talked about some of his interview um, experiences. Um, and some of our other interviewers, uh, the the people that we talked to over the various episodes, you know, had little nuggets there, too. Uh, episode 34, Jimmy Tasson talked about his interview process. I think he had like a, was it Jimmy who had like a a, a positive uh, experience with uh, somebody who wasn't going to hire him but but coached him? Uh, That was Kieran. Oh, it was Kieran. Okay, so that
1: was in episode 46. Yeah, he he got the interesting feedback from the CEO. Uh, You know, he wasn't well-rounded enough, and that was something that Kieran was able to take and do something about and make himself better.
0: Too focused, I think, right, was something that he said. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that was episode 46. And then uh, in episode 49, uh, Marissa Eckberg talked about how to do research on a company um, during that interview process that I thought was, you know, really fascinating. So yeah. And some nice negotiation tips too. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, I think that we've been going a little bit longer than we planned. Believe it or not, we're going to have to go to a part four. So, um, anything else pop in your mind before we break here? No, sir, to be continued. Just a reminder, we want people to
1: subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter
0: at Nerd Journey. All right, farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. Maybe I'll even have a job by the next episode. Yeah, we, we can all cross our fingers, right? Maybe. <laughs> I'm John White at We Journeyman For Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios.
1: I'm doing well, John. As usual, extremely caffeinated. Just to let the listeners know, we are both pre sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be venture. <laughs> You're a jerk. You are a jerk. Sorry. My, my wife came in here and she made me laugh. <laughs> She's dancing around and doing all kinds of stuff. So like, stop it. I'm going. I tried really hard not to react to that, but it didn't work.
0: Too <laughs> funny. <Dude, buddy. sighs>
1: all right. Um, where should I start?
0: Doing great. <laughs>
1: Just read the words. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) All right. Here we go. I can be cool. I'm cool. Yeah. I got this. All right. Three, two, one. John, I am doing great. Extremely caffeinated as usual. We are both VMware. No, we're not. (laughs) We're not. We're not both that. What I'm trying to read doesn't even say that.
0: Sad face. Sad face yeah. emoji.
1: Oh, this is going to go on the bloopers episode. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Third time to charm. Yeah, this is a, this is a great stinger.
0: <laughs> Three, two, one. I'm John White at V journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd Underscore signing off. Adios. Mute button problems.